We're rolling. First off, thank you for being on my podcast, the Unfaced Podcast. This is actually a really big deal for me, um, considering a person of your stature and where you come from and where you've been. Um, I wanted to kind of tell you, um, well, first off, let me introduce you. Um, we're on the Unfaced Podcast. You're my first official uh, interviewer that I get to speak to and kind of explain my reasoning for you being on the podcast. Amazing. D. Murthy, the, the genius, the well-rounded businessman, the most humble guy that I've seen on social media. Um, and I'm just really excited to have you on. So I appreciate you taking the time to be here today. My pleasure. And I have a good luck being the first guest. I was drama's first ever guest for okay. short story long. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> and I've watched a bunch of those, which is honestly, I started watching his uh, podcast first. I've never like listened or watched any podcast. So he was the first person that kind of got me into liking what a podcast was or even just liking the whole wow. setup. Um, so I literally started from watching Drama's podcast. So, I mean, obviously that's um, a big thing in and itself. That's awesome. Um, but I wanted to kind of give you the backstory on how this all started. I know you don't remember, but um, you guys are doing a group chat podcast. Mm -hmm. And you guys were talking about everyone should have their own podcast. Yes. And I sent a message to you. I was like, hey, um, if I start a podcast, would you be on it? Yeah. I said, would y'all be on it? I was talking to you and Drama, and you responded. You're like, yeah, man, just shoot me a DM whenever you are ready, which was in January. Okay. Here we are, uh, end of May. It took me a lot longer than I expected, but I did not expect for you to respond back. <laughs> um, it, it wasn't a bad thing. It was just that I could imagine how many DMs that you get. Like you said, send me a DM. I was like, okay. You're probably going to get 100 DMs or thousands of DMs throughout that time and just yeah. not have the time. And so I sent you a DM early May mm -hmm. and you responded the same day, which is crazy unusual. <laughs> um, was not expecting that. So I have to respond to them right away. Otherwise, they get too many. Right. But I wish a lot of people were like you, but I'm, I'm thankful that that happened. Um, and then also I saw uh, Casey, he posted something like a few days later, like, yeah, everybody should start their own podcast. I'm like, dude, this is a sign. Like, yeah. Because I was already thinking about it because I actually, um, Casey had posted something early January of this year, 2019, and um, I started like really getting into him and following his story. And then he posted something like two weeks later, hey, we're having this random meetup in Arizona. Come check it out. It's free. I was like, I'm down. Yeah. So I bought a ticket like a week before the event, went out there and met him um, and told him how I saw you guys' this group chat podcast. And then he posted something about um, everybody should do a podcast as well. So I'm like, hell, I this is my sign. Like, yeah. and, I was, and I asked him, I was like, would you be on there if I started one as well? He's like, yeah, man, just shoot me a message. So I have to like, I'm going to use you as my yeah. date because he sent me a text message and I'm still waiting. I, I sent him a text message last week and he responded. So I'm waiting on him to send me the link to actually set it up. Yeah, Casey, you have to do it now. Yes, you have to reach out to him. <laughs> I'm sure if you reach out to him, he'll do it. Yeah, just um, use, you, use, my, use my face. Just um, take advantage. I definitely will do that. But it's just a matter of him just sending a link back, but John Malad already gave me his information. I'm going to do that. So I'm trying to really 
get it all done in one weekend. Um, Amazing. Him, John Malott, and David Johnson. Great. Uh, the running back for the Arizona Cardinals. So I'm going to try to get all of them done in one weekend. And even Josh, um, their other business partner. Um, so I was like, man, this is my sign to go for this. And now we're here. Yeah. I'm, I am the perfect example of an introvert. So this is not what I do. Um, <laughs> so for me to take this leap of faith and do this, um, I'm really getting into it because it's not really about me, which is what I'll get into. Um, I started a brand called Unfazed. Um, and Unfazed, in my perspective, is basically having a mindset that no matter what you go through, you'll make it out of those tough transitions or, the, or that adversity, no matter what it is. And mm -hmm. I really believe that the common denominator to someone being successful or making out of tough situations is your mindset to be unfazed. Like, that's not even a question to me. Uh, and which is why I wanted you to be on. Um, I followed your story of where you came from and how it all began and everything that was kind of associated with your story to where you, you got to. And it was is important for me to get people on this podcast to help narrate their story, to give people a reason that they shouldn't give up and give them a better understanding of what unfazed means. Um, and you being on here, which is we kind of briefly talked about it before it started, I really want to make sure that this is done on a video so people get to see who you are, yeah. get to see what you look like. Mm -hmm. Because I'm pretty sure if they just listen to your voice, they wouldn't expect for you to be, you're Indian, right? Correct. People wouldn't expect that. And I want people to, to know that Unfazed is a brand that relates to everyone. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are, where you come from, what sexuality, what's going on in your life. It literally relates to everybody. Absolutely. Um, so that was pretty much my reason for getting you on and being so persistent and wanting you to be on and be one of the first people on here because there's not too many people that I can say um, have, have went through the adversity that you have and are successful and you're Indian. Mm -hmm. um, I'm uh, half Ethiopian. Okay. So I'm trying to find different types of people. Yeah. Um, of course, I'll have the athletes on and just other different types of people, but you kind of fit in a different category from your ethnicity and where you come from. And that to me was more intriguing to have you on um, as one of the first people that I interviewed to kind of narrate your story of being unfazed. Great. Um, so thank you again for being on. Um, so my podcast is kind of like dramas. Mm -hmm. um, it's really finding out where you came from and telling your backstory, but I focus more on the adversity part because Nine times out of ten, if you're going to be on here, it's because you've been successful. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the obvious. Mm -hmm. um, so tell me, like, where you grew up, even though I know all these answers. Yes. Like, tell me where you grew up and explain to me your upbringing prior to college. So I grew up in Southern California in a suburb out of L.A. called Granada Hills. Yeah. Uh, pretty much your traditional, like, middle class suburb, okay. like... Weekends, you play sports, you go to the pizza parlor after, okay. and then we'll go to the movie theater or the mall and hang out. Okay. So that was my childhood, um, very traditional. Education was the number one priority for my parents. Okay. Um, my mother encouraged us just to be social and have activities, but it was always school. Right. 
we lived a very pretty much simple life like uh went to school uh learned a lot traveled a decent amount as a family like i got exposed to things at a pretty early age Mm -hmm. and i got exposed to a lot of different types of people at an early age which i felt i was you know at 15 i was watching cnbc and reading wall street journal Mm -hmm. and i just thought that was normal because right. I was like, oh, how else am I going to know what's going on in the world? So I always took upon an interest in finance and understanding what's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. And that was an interesting time. That's like mid-90s. So that's like when the Internet was really right. coming alive. And so I got fascinated by like what that meant and, and how I could be a part of that. Because it's the first time in history young people were participating in entrepreneurship, wealth creation. Right. I mean, 19, 20 year olds were becoming millionaires in the mid nineties. That was the first time that it ever happened. Yeah. And so I was like, I gotta be a part of this. How do I? And so my childhood was really just curiosity school and like playing sports. Yeah. I mean, just like pretty average kind of background. Okay. Um, so before you ended up choosing USC, um, was that like your main choice or did you have any other choices? It was actually between Berkeley and USC, <laughs> your school. Um, and my parents wanted me to go to Berkeley because obviously, especially at that time, it was definitely a better college. Um, I was so adamant about going to USC my entire life. And I don't even know why. The, my, my rationale to going to USC was I'm going to live in L.A. for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to leave. I might as well go to school with people that are going to be in the neighborhood that I'm going to be in. My other rationale, which didn't make sense at the time, because considering where you ended up going to college and what happened in sports, but I said my only connection to college 20 years after I graduate will be sports. I'm not going to be connected to the college any other way other than USC traditionally has been good at football so that'll be my connection to the school Mm -hmm. like I will always be I'll have a camaraderie among all my USC classmates because of sports then we go on to suck for my entire time we're there (laughs) except when my brother comes then we go on a nice little run but that was my reason for going to USC I wanted to be in LA and I figured sports would be a connection that I would have with people for the rest of my life. Right. Okay. Did you actually go down to Berkeley, like check out the campus? Yeah, I did a tour. So I have a family that grew up in Cupertino okay. and they all went to Berkeley and Stanford. So it was, it made sense for me to go there. I mean, there's a lot of Indian people. Yeah. It's a crazy amount of Indian people. Right. Um, it's, it was a good school, but I just felt there's something about being in LA to me. I just felt like I have to be here. Okay. Um, so when you started your first business was that was that prior to usc that was at usc okay it it was a internet company called Mm schoolgossip.com and it it was essentially a college and high school community i mean it was like facebook before facebook um but the concept of like um, connecting people the way Facebook did. I never got, I never did that point. I really was about content and the message boards and chat rooms and raised money for that business in like a month when I was 18 years old, right. which was crazy. Cause people, there was like this kind of like what it is today where if you have a startup in the right space, there's a line of people willing to give you money. Yeah, cause they don't we, want to miss out. Though. You don't want to miss out. You have FOMO. So 
that's was ha- that was happening in 1998 and I was able to get money from a very wealthy business person from the valley from the neighborhood I grew up in and instantly wrote a check for $300,000 to wow. invest in our business and when you're 18 that's like insane right and so started to started the business had success even had op- offers to get acquired but we were kids we didn't know what we were doing we didn't get along mm-hmm. Business eventually imploded. I walked away from it. And then a year later, started the business I have today. Okay, that's cool. Were you frustrated at the time, like, when you walked away from it? Like, was it still going? It was still going, and it was still doing fine, and it had hope. But I felt like that opportunity was holding me back, and those people were holding me back. Mm. So I had to make a decision, which was a very hard one, because it actually ruined my friendship with two very close friends. Because... They were like, how can you leave us? And I didn't even ask for anything. I just said, here's all the equity back. Any money I put into it, I'll, it's my loss. I just said, here you go. Take it. I'm moving on. That was your freshman year? That was my junior year of college. Okay. And so I'd been doing it for three years. And all the sweat equity I'd put into the business, I just said, bye. Right. And it was a good lesson that I actually should have taken with me for the rest of my life is it's okay to walk away and take the L. Right. That's rare. You, sometimes you just have to take the loss and yeah. move on. And I was willing to take the loss. I knew it was the wrong situation. That's cool. Um, so a year later is when you started 5-4? Correct. Okay. Um, so kind of talk to me. Like, I know it started as a, from a, was it a class or was that your major? So our major at USC, we have a program called the Entrepreneurship Program. Mm-hmm. And before the first day of school, your senior year, you're supposed to have a concept and you have to work on it the entire year. Mm. So the first semester is a feasibility study. So you kind of learn, is this business even possible? Mm. And the second semester is an actual business plan that you can, if you want to, after you graduate, you have an actionable plan to kind of take out into the real world. Um, so I know how the name 5-4 started. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Five four was like you guys like always just tell each other like one or one love so five minus four exactly that's how you guys got the name um, to this day are you kind of satisfied with that name or I mean like I actually satisfied? love the name for the brand because I think it's just a great name mm-hmm. it is just tough to explain what it means at thirty eight years old right. <laughs> it's it just it doesn't age well put it like that well, if you guys did like five three because you know USC does like the P sign and two yeah <laughs> I, guess, I mean it, it works because it's well known now yeah. it's one of those things where. It doesn't really matter about a name. It's about what's behind the name. Exactly. Um, so that's really cool about you guys sticking with that name. Um, so now that 5-4 was up and running and um, you guys pretty much got everything going, like taking it to the next level, like mm-hmm. right out the gate from my perspective and what I've been able to learn from you is that you spent about $15,000 to go to the Magic Trade show. Correct. Um, Talk to me about that experience and like initially coming out the gate and kind of explain to me um, how your mom ended up being like the MVP of this whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) So the way the fashion business worked prior to today 
was you had to go to trade shows for your segment of the market mm -hmm. and buyers from reta retailers all over the world would show up. So the magic was in where our category, which was in men's, that's where most of the business got done, which was in Las Vegas. A, a, a 10 by 10 booth was 3,500, a 10 by 20 was 7,500, and then you put the build, build it out and travel, samples. We didn't really have any money when we graduated college, but we had signed up for credit cards, like every college kid does, to get some free t-shirts. So I just slided those credit cards, got the booth, took samples, made hundreds of phone calls to get appointments with buyers. We sat there for four days and we just bombed. Like we got a couple pity orders on the last day, but the reality was we didn't have that good of a product. We didn't really know anybody. Mm -hmm. Like we were just staying there like idiots trying to get people to even come in our booth. Right. And we were just like overwhelmed with like failure for mm -hmm. sitting there. And the last day of the show, I get a bill and it's a bill when union members have to carry your goods in and out of your uh, facility. Right. I didn't know about that. Right. And so that bill was, I don't know, like $1,800 or whatever it was. And I didn't have any money at this point. I had put every last penny and this was it. Right. And so I had to call my mom and I said, I, just, I literally don't have any more money. I need you to come to Las Vegas. Right. And they're like, can they take a credit card over the phone? And they said, only in person. So she flew from... LA to Vegas, luckily it's a short flight. And then I was like, can you pick us up some Del Taco, which is like a fast food Mexican place. Pick us up some food because we're starving because we haven't eaten in three days. So she literally came like within hours? Yeah, I mean, like I probably called her at 9 a.m. and she was there like at two. Wow, like she is the MVP. Yeah, right? completely. I mean, it's just the support you, it, you don't realize how much support you need when you start a business. Right. It takes, it's like people say it takes a village to raise a child. Right. It takes a village to start a business. Right, it does because uh, I think like you have to have people who believe in you <clears throat> and then have to believe in the brand and then that kind of snowballs from that point on. Mm -hmm. For your mom to go through that, yeah. she kind of like say, hey, we need to give this up if you don't know what you're getting into. Honestly, no. I think they kind of like knew I was excited about it and pursued it. And I took it seriously. Like we worked out of our office, which was a, a travel agency for Indian job. people. Yeah. And, and so we literally would be, I would be at the office every morning at 830 in the morning. And I would stay there till the evening working, working. So she knew I took it seriously. Mm -hmm. And I was like, give it a year, give it a year. And then finally, like really two years later when we found our first partner investor is when we actually moved out of the office, uh, caught some momentum with the brand, but they were actually always pretty supportive. I mean, what parents are trying to do is protect you from struggling. Right. It's not that they don't want you to pursue your dreams. Mm -hmm. It's that they don't want to see their child suffer. Right. And right. that's essentially like as an entrepreneur, there's a lot of suffering. Right. That's part of the deal. And even, you know, even, I'll have days or months or years in the last 17 years where I'm just like, I'll vent to my mom and be like, we had a terrible year. Right. And it's tough for a parent to hear that. Right. They, they want their kid to always do well. Um, to me, that was kind of the first example of you being unfazed. Yeah. Um, to continue to keep wanting to do what you had a passion for yeah. initially out the gate to have $15,000 in credit cards, use that to go to the trade show. You said that, I forgot which brand it was, but 
you had said you heard that they made like two hundred thousand dollars, so you guys were expecting to make some some. It was LRG. Yeah, LRG. Yeah. Um, and then you got those four pity orders, like day one, nothing; day two, yeah. nothing; day three, nothing; and then yeah. four pity orders. Yeah. And then when it's time to leave, you didn't have the money to pay the drage. But yeah. Like you have to be unfazed to like think I'm not gonna let this adversity stop me. So yeah. To me, that was like, all right. He has the mindset to mm-hmm. like keep going with this and make yeah. sure that it goes to the level that he wants it to go to. Um, and then after the horrible experience, um, like you guys just kept chugging along and then you kind of, I don't know if it was just you by yourself, but kind of took it upon yourself that when you got back, you just started like driving around town or across the country. Yeah. So what we realized was, and it's funny, even in the digital age, this is still the most important thing. It's all about relationships. Mm -hmm. And we noticed after doing the show again, six months later, everyone who was doing business knew everybody. Mm -hmm. And we were just sitting on the outside. And like, how do we get to know everybody? We didn't have the money or resources to, at that time to wine and dine people. So we, we took it upon ourselves to go build this relationship. I decided the only way I'm going to be able to do it is I'm just going to go to all these stores. Yeah. And when you show up to people's stores in all parts of the country, people are excited. Right. Like, you're in my town. <laughs> right. Like, you came all the way here. Yeah. Just like, to- just to come see my store. And you're talking to, like, a 600-square-foot store in some shitty mall in the right. middle of the country. Right. They're, they're grateful. And now I have a relationship with them. Yeah. I came. I went and had lunch with them. I played basketball with people in Chicago. Like, I did everything. Drank <laughs> yeah, drank with that. Drank with a lot of people <laughs> all over the damn world. But, like, that built that bond that even to this day, if I needed to get into those stores with products, yeah. No questions asked. I'd be like, yeah, whatever you need, man. So you think those relationships were like the single reason why you guys stayed afloat? Yeah. I mean, look, eventually the product did get good. Mm-hmm. And so that's... Before that point, but at like when you're going around those... Yeah. Around the country to those cities and those stores, like those relationships was the main reason why you kind of separated yourself from everybody else that was kind of on... Yeah, I mean, I think I think what you realize when you are an entrepreneur or starting a business or even work at a company, likability goes a long way. Mm-hmm. You get passes if people like you. Right. Like in the past that we would get is, oh, we shipped late. Oh, your product didn't sell this season. Mm-hmm. But they didn't give up give up on the business because right. they wanted us to win. They just like, <laughs> yeah, they're rooting for you. I'm like, oh, let's, let's figure it out. Let's fix it. Yeah. You work with me. I'll work with you and we'll keep you in, in the store. So I think that kind of relationship we had built with the retailers and they kept giving us a shot season after season. Mm-hmm. And then eventually one day the stuff just took off. Right. That, so from what I learned, that was about five years of doing that? That was probably, yeah, probably four or five years. Okay. And then you guys kind of went from like being in five stores to 300 stores and ended up being in stores like Macy's and Nordstrom, right? Yeah, we eventually ended up being in thousands of stores all across the country. So Macy's, Nordstrom, The Buckle, PacSun had a different division back then called Demo, just a ton of retailers. And we were catching our stride, denim, full collection of menswear. It's just, it was everything we wanted to finally happen in 2007. So after that point, you got some traction and yeah. a bunch of stores, recession hit. Yeah, we were finally like, we were doing millions of dollars. We were living the life, partying, and then like our entire business fell apart in like 60 days. Uh, when the recession hit, 
And I don't know if we'll ever see anything like this again in our lifetime because it was so severe, but things kind of fell off a cliff overnight mm -hmm. where once Lehman Brothers, the bank, investment bank fell apart, all of a sudden, like there was no credit for retailers. There was no credit for manufacturers. So money became very hard to come by for everyone. Yeah. So you were canceling orders, you were bankrupting stores, you were, you know, you just weren't paying people. So overnight we couldn't collect any money. Yeah. Like one month we had money, the next month it was gone. Yeah. And so it became, it was just survival. And most brands from that era didn't survive. Right. Most small brands, big brands actually thrived because they had the money to kind of satisfy like retailers during that hard time. But small guys just all kind of went away because it was such a difficult time. So you had talked about um, you lost $2.5 million in orders from Buckle. Yeah. So what was your mindset at that time? Like, Obviously, I'm going to say you were unfazed, but you had to be. But, like, what? I was very phased at that point. You couldn't have been. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, I mean, I'm sure you were phased, but yeah. what, what I mean is that you didn't stop. Yeah. Like, obviously, it was a situation that you felt like, I'm not going to stop. But, like, what were, what were your steps to kind of make sure things kept going? Or what you guys do after that? I mean, for us, the, the, the real challenge was... When you get like a cancellation of that size, and for, for us, that was a very big order at the time, we really didn't know how to handle it. But what we decided to do was deal with it one problem at a time, one day at a time. It was too overwhelming. Mathematically, we should not have survived. Right. We should have shut down. Right. Our investors told us to shut down too. They also were like, I don't understand, I'm gonna get out of this hole. Mm -hmm. But we sat with every single vendor, every single person that we worked with, and we slowly addressed the problem. Mm -hmm. Because it's not in any one person's interest to come and get us shut down. Because if we do, yeah. everyone's screwed. Right. You're better off playing ball with us, get paid, and let's keep, the, keep kicking the can down the road and eventually, hopefully, something will kind of take fire. And that's literally what happened. We kept kicking down the road, slowly paying people. And then in 2009, we launched Young and Reckless. Yeah, cool. Um, so <clears throat> when things got back on track, um, I think it was kind of similar, like around the year 2012. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you ended up going to an event for Kim Kardashian. Yeah. Um, which kind of helped your business kind of go to the, the level that it is now, which is the business model that you have. Like, what were your thoughts when you went to the event for Kim Kardashian? And what were your thoughts after leaving it? Yeah, so there's a really interesting story. So we had a retail store in a mall called Century City in LA. It's a high-end mall when we used to own stores. And one day, uh, Robert Shapiro, the attorney, mm -hmm. walked in with his son, who's a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. and, did he go to USC? Uh, I don't think he went to USC. Maybe he did. I don't remember. Uh, he, uh, he was like, oh, meet my dad. I was telling him about your business. And so his dad's asking me all these questions. Then I ask him, what are you guys doing here? He's like, oh, we're launching this new concept. You should come check it out. And it was on the other side of the mall. I walk over, and they were having a big event. And it was Kim Kardashian was the face of the business and it was called Shoe Dazzle. Mm -hmm. And he was explaining me the business and I was like, wow, this is amazing. It's 
a subscription for women for mm-hmm. shoes. The brand is called Shoe Dazzle, and for $39 a month, you got a shoe delivered to your door. Mm-hmm. And they, they customize the shoe based on what your preferences are, brands you like, celebrities you like, colors you dislike and like. Yeah. And he was insistent just to come for me to meet Kim Kardashian. He didn't even... But it wasn't there to tell me about the business. He's like, you should take a picture with her. So finally, after like an hour of him telling me to take a picture, I take a picture. Funniest thing is the picture is my head's cut off. It's just her. <laughs> so I'm not even in the picture, which would have been a great picture to have today. Um, I'm sure you can get a picture. Yeah, yeah. And so fast forward, uh, I go back to the office. I tell my business partner. I tell my brother, who's our CFO. And I'm like... Oh my God, I just heard this business. I wonder if there's anything we can do here. Mm-hmm. And they kind of racked their head and came back with the concept of the 5-4 Club, which is, at the time, was the first ever men's fashion subscription service mm-hmm. where you filled out a style quiz. And based on your pre- preferences, we put together a package of clothes to your door for $60 a month. Is that still the same price point? It, today, to this day, it's still $60 a month, which I don't even understand how we've kept it that price, right. but we're That's trying to. Uh, we've evolved the name to the Menlo Club because we've right. launched a bunch of new brands. Yeah. And so the, the experience has evolved and the merchandise has evolved. But that's really what it started from, like this chance interaction. Um, so the Menlo Club, that was from uh, the street that your guys' house was on that you started on? Yeah, so when we went to USC, uh, eight of us lived uh, our senior year in this like rundown greenhouse on the street called Menlo. Yeah. And we started our business out of that house. Uh, my friends who own uh, the Hred Group, which is one of the most successful hospitality groups in town, started their business out of there. So it was like a sentimental kind of location for us. So when we were thinking of new names, all the names that we've come up with our brands have a significance to our early days. Okay. Like uh, our Grand Athletic Club is the street uh, that we, our first office was on. And so it's like every brand has some sort of, Ochenta is our eyewear. It's, we were born in 1980, Ochenta, like in Spanish. So like everything has like a tie-in. Have you heard of Menlo Park? Yeah, of course. That's where I'm from. Oh, nice. So, I mean, I'll always remember the name. <laughs> yeah. So, you guys changed the name, was it a year or two ago to Menlo Club? Yeah, about a year and a half ago. Okay. Well, that's cool. Um, I was going to ask you, and you kind of briefly went into it. Can you explain to me the difference between 5-4, New Republic, um, Grand AC, and Ochenta? Yeah, so... Uh, the whole concept of what we're trying to do is build fashion brands that have great quality and are have accessible price points. Mm-hmm. So one of the biggest challenges we always saw in fashion is that there's high end and there's low end. Mm-hmm. There's and the middle is getting eaten up by the internet. And the problem with the middle historically was the brands weren't that good, the quality wasn't that good, the style wasn't that good. So that's like your Gap, your Banana Republic. That's all the yeah, all those people. They've kind of, they've gone into no man's land. So we're like, you know what? We're gonna go direct to the cons- consumer and tell a different, a more interesting story, and provide better quality product mm-hmm. at a sharper price. Yeah. So that was really our, our mantra, and we wanted it to do it under separate brands for separate categories. Mm-hmm. So 5-4 is the apparel. So that includes everything a man would need mm-hmm. in his closet on the fashion apparel side. Uh, New Republic is our footwear brand. So what we want to do is all your footwear essentials for your closet, 
high quality product, accessible price points, everything but performance product we make in, in footwear. And then uh, Grand Athletic Club is our activewear brand that we're trying to find a sweet spot, and we're still early with that brand because it's like not even barely two years old, mm-hmm. is finding a sweet spot between uh, what Lululemon does, which is make incredible product, mm-hmm. but a brand that has a little more edge to it right. and more ma- male friendly because mm-hmm. Lululemon is meant for women. Yeah. Guys buy it, and the product's phenomenal, but like it's not a men's brand. Yeah. It doesn't speak to men directly. Right. So that's where we think there's an opportunity to, to build a performance brand for men that's a little more stylish. Okay. Um. So I want to backtrack a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Young and Reckless. I would say Young and Reckless is more of the similar um, category that Unfazed is in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I say that my downfall is like reality TV. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily drink a lot. I don't smoke. Okay. I watch reality. <laughs> That's I your vice. Yeah. I <laughs> watched them on <clears throat> Robin Big and just kind of watched them evolve mm-hmm. through Fantasy Factory and all that stuff. So I knew when he started Young and Reckless, didn't really know that you were in the picture at the time. Um, but it started in 2010 is when you teamed up with Nine. 2009? Yeah. Okay. Um, so you had mentioned that because he was on the show, which was a good reason for you to kind of team up with him. And then after the first episode aired, then the next day you had him in all, you had it in all the stores. Correct. Do you think that if he wasn't on TV that you still would have partnered up with him? No, the brand would not have worked. Okay. You don't think like just the name in general, I'll tell you like a slower grind to get to where it's at now. So for anyone that's starting a fashion business, the biggest challenge is marketing. Mm Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the world today is quite easy to make product. Right. If you want to make a t-shirt, a hoodie, a hat, whatever you want to make, the internet's so easy. Mm-hmm. You, may, you may be able to get it at a better price if you have experience mm-hmm. or better quality, but anyone can make anything right. today. The problem is there's so much noise in fashion mm-hmm. is how do you separate. separate yourself? Sure, the name was good, but... We had a free advertisement on a hit television show on MTV MTV, when MTV was the biggest thing in the world. One cable show. Yeah. And like it would not have worked if it wasn't for that. It may have taken 10 years. Mm -hmm. Then it would have been like five, four. Like it literally took 10 years. I don't want to go through that again. I don't. Not only do I not want to go through it again, I think it's you need luck at that point Mm -hmm. because you never know what's going to connect with the customer. Right. There's brands that. Both of us probably think are stupid that have done extremely well and don't even understand why they work. And there's brands that we both think are great and has not connected. So it's a very, very tough thing to figure out why a brand works. And Young and Reckless, there's no way it would have worked if it wasn't for the television show. It was kind of a no-brainer that he was on TV and it was perfect timing. Yes. Makes sense. Um, so now that you've been in business for 17 years with 5.4 and Young and Reckless for 10 years? Yep. Um... Both make tens of millions of dollars? Yeah, I mean, in revenue, we've definitely done, over the years, hundreds of millions of dollars. I didn't want to throw out a number in correct. I'd rather you say it. So when you were going through that entrepreneurship class at USC, did you think that you would be at this level that you're at? No, no way. Well, what would you have told yourself back then if you knew what you knew now to, like, be as successful as you are 
to prepare yourself? Like, what's one thing that you would have told yourself? Um, I think the the real preparation is that, and it's still a challenge today. Entrepreneurs, once you have any level of success, the opportunities that are given to you are endless, mm-hmm. right? Because everyone wants to work with you, right? And saying no, staying focused, and not drowning in opportunity is something that, like, if if you had told me that when I was 21 years old, I'd be like, "What are you talking about? I don't even know what that means." Right. I would even if I told an entrepreneur starting out today, "Stay focused. You're going to be drowning in opportunity." Nobody knows what that means until you start having any level of success, then you lose focus. Mm-hmm. But the real thing I wish I had, like, I don't know what, if it's a mentor or if it would have been like a, somebody sitting next to me every day, stay focused, stay focused, don't do this, don't do this, stay focused, stay focused. That is the number. Once you hit something that's working, you just have to stay focused. You don't need to figure, you don't need to be right on everything. You just need to be right on one thing. Yeah, because that's impossible to, to be right and have everything go your way. Exactly. Um, so you were on the Founder Hour podcast. Yep. Um, and you said mental toughness is the most important characteristic of being an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. which is basically being unfazed. Mm-hmm. Um, so would you say that you your mental toughness has grown throughout the years to a, a point that you didn't expect it to? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. My wife. I'll tell her what happened at work today and she'll get very stressed out. Mm. And she's like, I don't understand why you're not mad. Um, one, I have a high tolerance for pain. Mm. You just have to yeah. when you have your own business. Two, getting upset, getting angry, sure, at the moment may give you some relief, but it actually doesn't solve the problem. I, I would say it's wasted energy. Complete waste, wasted energy. So. It's something, and it's very tough. A lot of people are very emotional. They love the highs, but then they also love the lows. And meaning that they really, like, embrace the emotional ups and downs, Mm -hmm. which I'm not into. Like, I will, if we have a... If we have a win, I'll shake my fist for a second and be like, all right, cool. But like, still, we gotta, it's like not worth the mental anguish of going up and down all day. So I think the toughness that's required is just being well-balanced mm-hmm. at all time. And I mean, that goes for everything in life. It's right. moderation. Right. Life is about moderation, okay. whether it's your business, your personal life, activity, mm-hmm. drinking, whatever it is. Right. If, you don't, if, you're not, if, you, if you don't do it in moderation, it gets eventually. Get, exactly. Um, so now that you know what unfazed means, um, from my perspective and what the brand's about, do you think you can name two, na- two of your peers or friends in the industry that you would say are, are unfazed and why would you say they are? Um, so I would give, I have a friend, uh, his name's Anthony Saleh. He's a music manager. Mm-hmm. He's a young m- music manager. He is, I, I don't want to say he's like a pit bull, but because he's, he's actually one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Yeah. But he is, he is the definition of unfazed because the way he handles situations and how he maneuvers in life mm-hmm. is very important to why he's at the position he's at today and why he's able to do certain things. I think he's an excellent communicator. I think he knows how to react to situations properly, um, doesn't make decisions emotionally. 
he's a person that I think is is very unique in the way he handles situations, and is why at 31 or 32, he's one of the most successful music managers in the industry. He's a partner at a humongous fund. Who's he manage? Future, Gunna, Nas. Uh, oh, okay. Young, light-skinned guy. That's yeah. Different. So he's a guy that, like, and, you know, in the social media era, you ain't seeing him. Right. I know who he is. He's quiet. Yeah. He He's like, all over the world with the most powerful people on earth, and you'll never... He has, like, 30,000 followers. And, and doesn't post. Right. Unless it's, like... You know, one of our kids' birthdays. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he's a private guy, and operate, he's, he's operated in a way that is very unique to today's world. He's very old school in that way. And I think that's a unique unique person to kind of look at. Definitely. Um, think you have one more in mind? Um, another one would be... I would say it would be Rich from Fashion Nova. That dude, what he did in fashion and e-commerce, no one's ever done. Right, absolutely. And I'm sure I wasn't in the room when he started his business. <laughs> There's no way anyone thought it would work. Right. No fucking way. Right. And the <laughs> fact that it started working and, and he doubled down and tripled down and quadrupled down yeah. to the point where, like, he owns an entire segment of the market. Right. And if anyone ever tries to entrench on it, it's like, he's like Kleenex for that world. It's like Amazon. Yeah. Of that. That entire community of people. And I think that's, he's, he's a person. Cool. Um, those people are, are definitely examples of what you explain or reasons why phase is something that I really believe it's it fits into all of our our mindsets but when people get to hear those types of names they get to understand that it's not just a luck thing it's just a mindset it's yeah. a everyday grind it out don't yeah. stop find find ways to make shit happen and you yeah. just go from there like um, I can tell you my day yesterday and someone might say it was impossible. Mm -hmm. And then I could tell you, me. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then someone else could tell you the same exact day I had and say it was the best day ever. Yeah. It's how you look at things. Right. And yes, yes. My day yesterday was challenging, but I mean, I had a Your blast. Your day was you drove to Las Vegas mm -hmm. and shot some. I shot content. We got, uh, we woke up very early in the morning. Right. We didn't sleep. We worked all day, got stuck and took seven hours to come home. Yeah. Which is not, it usually takes three and a half hours, yeah. double the time because of the EDC traffic from yeah. Vegas. But, you know, we made the most of the time. Yeah. We had work. We'd, I had to wake up early because I wanted to play with my kid. Yeah. Some people would be overwhelmed, stressed out, whatever. But I'm like, whatever. Like, at the end of the day, I went to Vegas. Yeah. I had fun. you're unfazed. Like, yeah. I can't explain that. Yeah. Half. Like, your mindset is just on a different level. And there's different levels to unfazed from my perspective anyway, but... To do the stuff that you do on a daily basis, me and Gian were talking about, like your hands are in so many different pots, but it's just kind of like you find a way to make shit happen. It doesn't matter where it is. And I also remember you saying that another reason why you don't get stressed out is because you don't write things down. Yeah. Because if you do, then it'll overwhelm you. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm not <laughs> saying this is the right, I don't like to hate to give this advice, but like I can't think about everything I have to do. Right. I just do the next thing, then the next but thing. But you do what works for you. Yeah. And you find a way to make it happen. Yeah. Like you said, it doesn't mean it's the right way, but it works for you. And that's what people need to understand. Not everybody has to do everything 
the cookie cutter way yeah. in order for things to translate into a victory or overcome adversity. Like it's, everyone's playbook is different. Right. Um, so, um, as I wrap this up, I, I really want to thank you for being on the podcast, allowing this to happen. I didn't think it was going to happen. One, when I sent you the message on Instagram, and two, when I saw you were in Las Vegas yesterday. <laughs> um, but I just want you to know, like, you're super dope for being um, who you are and going through your unbelievable journey to being successful, um, which is why I kind of started following your story years ago when I wanted to start my brand. I wanted to follow people's stories of going through adversity and find out what took them to that successful level and just finding out where your story was and just how you were kind of balls to the wall and didn't let anything stop you. That to me was inspiring. And that's the whole point of this podcast. The podcast is to give people encouragement to not only believe that they can do things um, with the right mindset, but just see different types of people Mm -hmm. um, because we're not all the same. No. Um, But if we see different types of people doing things at unbelievable levels and that gives all types of people those encouraging different examples instead of me just giving you the the continuous what unfazed is like your story and everybody else's story that'll be here is going to give people that encouraging sign to keep fighting and that's what i love about the brand it's not just related to a certain demographic it does not fit into 18 to 21 year olds or black athletes or white uh successful entrepreneurs like everybody's unfazed yeah that's what i love about the brand and you being on here being on the first official um episode where i interview someone is kind of monumental for me and the podcast in itself because i can't imagine another brand or another podcast that's not well known to have someone of your stature (laughs) on it so i appreciate you being on here um thanks for making the trip um no problem man it was well worth it um so I know where they can people can follow you. Mm-hmm. Where can people find you at, and how can they like find your brands? So I'm on social media under at d e e m u r t h y. That's my handle on all platforms, um, and then all the brands: Menlo Club, Five Four, New Republic. They're all kind of the handles for all the brands. Okay. And yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to DM me. You know I respond. Yes, you do respond. <laughs> uh, if you guys are looking for a um, successful entrepreneur that actually follow through with their word. <laughs> Murthy is the guy. Um, but thank you again. I appreciate everybody. You got, go check out those brands. Um, follow him on Instagram is where I found him at. D Murthy, as he said, D E E M U R T H Y. Go buy some young and reckless. If you fit in that demographic, if yeah. you're an older crowd, um, five, four, Menlo, Menlo Club. Club, yeah. The website Menlo House. Yeah, the men the MenloHouse.com. MenloHouse.com is the website to find all of those brands. Um, you can find uh, Unfazed on all social media handles of um, Official Unfazed, and the website is um, OfficialUnfazed.com. And if you want to watch this on YouTube, go to Official Unfazed. Um, subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. And comment and let let me know what you guys think. But other than that, D, I appreciate you allowing me to be here in L.A. in your office and being able to interview. I know everybody that's listening will will love the information that you have given to them. I already knew about it, obviously, from being on here. But I'm excited to get this out to maybe some people who didn't know about you or know about your brand and get you some more customers or some more followers. Um, So 
provide some value. I always talk about value. And yes. Bringing value to you. Um, so go follow him and um, let us know what you guys think. Thank you, nice brother. You. I appreciate it.